Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. We continue our Easter week examination of 1 Corinthians 15 here today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Join us. He's not there. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Hi there, and welcome. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. We're back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today, looking at verses 20 through 28, and then we'll pick up in verse 40 again. It's our continuing look at Easter throughout this Easter week. He's not here. He is risen. In light of that, how should we live? Let's go to God's Word and find out, shall we? Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. In recent years, the word gospel has degenerated into a seeker-friendly mentality. It is nice-sounding, but a mushy idea. Beloved, the gospel is the good news concerning the risen Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. For friends, if it is not all about Christ, it is not the gospel. Lift up Christ, and you lift up the gospel. The less you have of Christ, then the gospel is weakened to the point of having no meaning at all. But it is pleasant to the ears of the world. Now you can preach a message of grace, a message of the Bible, salvation, and even God. But if you do not hold faith in Jesus Christ and his resurrection, then you are holding faith in the husks of the gospel and not the true food. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he spoke of the gospel being the gospel of the glory of Christ. For that is when sinners spring to life. That is when lives are transformed. That is when darkness is dispelled. When the glory of Christ blazes forth. And, of course, central to the gospel is Christ's resurrection. And today we are going to look at the happiest, most splendid event since the creation of the world, the inauguration of a new creation. We are looking at the moment when bursting through death out of the grave, the Son of God overcame the old order or disorder of Adam. That moment when a man, 
finally stood body and soul, wholly beyond the reach of the curse. This was a moment everything had been waiting for ever since the fall. For was God going to abandon the creation he once declared good? Would darkness win eventually? No. In creation itself, the constant refrain had been, and there was evening, and then there was morning. That is the biblical concept. After darkness, there is light. And so the scripture gave the faithful hope. Daniel prophesied. Many of those who now sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life. Some to shame and everlasting contempt. Job prophesied, after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. David prophesied that the Lord would not let his holy ones see decay. Now, J.R.R. Tolkien called that moment a U-catastrophe. The greatest U-catastrophe possible, in fact. Now, The U or E-U prefix there in Greek means good, like in Eucharist or good grace or a eulogy, a good word. The resurrection, said Tolkien, was a eucatastrophe, for it was a catastrophic event, but a good catastrophic event. Event. Writing to his son Christopher, Tolkien explained A you catastrophe is a sudden, happy turn in a story which pierces you with a joy that brings you to tears. Your whole nature chained in a material cause and effect. The chain of death feels this sudden relief as if a major limb out of joint is suddenly snapped back. Everything had been tumbling down. Adam's sins, pain, death, thorns, thistles, all tumbling down. But Christ takes all of that and death down, down into the grave. And this is the moment when history turns around. And that otherwise unremarkable tomb in Jerusalem became the womb of the new creation. 
And from it there emerged the firstborn from the dead, the first fruits of a royal harvest of life. Beloved, we are meant to think of the resurrection in grand and and cosmic terms. Do you remember the very first encounter with the risen Lord Jesus in John's gospel? Mary, standing at the open tomb, turned, her eyes streaming with tears, and she saw him the Son of God. And do you remember what we are told? We are told she supposed him to be the gardener. Now, every detail, every mistake that people make in John's gospel is always significant for John. For instance... In complete ignorance, Caiaphas had prophesied, better for one man to die than that a whole nation should perish. Unknowing, Caiaphas spoke the truth. In complete ignorance, Pilate, a Gentile, said, Behold the man. And now in ignorance, Mary supposes him to be the gardener. But what she supposed in ignorance was once again the deepest truth. For here at the beginning of this new day was a wondrous new beginning. In this garden, like in Eden, was the gardener himself, a man, yes, God, And he walked in the garden again, ruler over all things in perfect harmony with God his Father. This was the dawn of a new creation. Only now there will be no threat. No risk of a serpent to ruin all. Death had been swallowed up in victory. The serpent's head had been crushed. Brothers and sisters, this is the seed, the source of all new life that God has to offer. Of all the eternal life that there is, this is the one seed of eternal life. The Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His mercy, He has caused us to be born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In other words, life for the human race, eternal life, that reaches beyond death will never be something discovered for us or won for us by science. True and eternal life can never be the product of some evolutionary leap. Uh, 
It cannot be worked at or willed by us. Eternal life is a gift of God given to us through His anointed Son, the head of the new humanity. Now to make clear on what this resurrection life is, let's start now in 1 Corinthians 15. Now something driving Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 15 is the difference between the first Adam and the last Adam. And this is made very clear from verse 20, which says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, so by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, but also in Christ shall all be made alive, each in his own order. In other words, first Christ, then it is coming to those who belong to Christ. So in Paul's mind... Adam and Christ are the two first fruits. One is the first fruit of death. The other is the first fruit of life. In fact, the idea of first fruits runs like a backbone under the flesh of 1 Corinthians 15. Look with me at verse 4. Let me ask you, have you ever struggled with verse 4. It says, Christ was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. According to which Scriptures? Which Scriptures is he talking about? Is he talking about Jonah, perhaps, in the belly of the well, a sign of the Son of Man? Is he talking perhaps about Hosea 6.2 or maybe Genesis 22.4? For the first, third day comes up in many places in Scripture. But before anything else, surely Paul is thinking of the third day of creation in Genesis 1. Let's go to Genesis 1, and and notice here the repetition, how it drives home the point. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind. You see, there on the third day of Genesis 1, we see the first fruits of creation. Just as Christ raised on the third day would be the first fruits of the new creation of the resurrection from the dead. Now look, 
These first fruits each produce according to their kinds. They have their seed, their next generation within them. So you, you take a fruit, and what you do to the fruit affects the seed because it is inside the fruit. What you do to the fruit affects the seed. And so it is, says Paul, with Adam and Christ. They are the first fruits of two very different crops. One of death, the other of life. And all others are but seeds in one of those two fruits. Have you ever noticed when Paul speaks of Adam and Christ, he writes as if they are the only men in the world, as if no others existed. That was the big picture of humanity for Paul. It is not that humanity is a vast throng of disconnected individuals all determining their own destiny. No, Adam and Christ are the two heads, the first fruits of the old and the new human race. And all of us, every human on the planet is but a seed in one of those two fruits, a member of one of their bodies, dependent for our fate, not on ourselves, making our own destinies, Hollywood, but from the fruit in which we belong. When Adam sinned, we all sinned in him. When he died, we died. So at my birth, I was born into a sinful, guilty, spiritually dead humanity. I was born into that identity. An identity I most certainly learned to live out very well. Now today we live in this world of hyper individualism. And so we talk of our union with Adam and our union with Christ, and it really makes no sense to us. Because many people think we don't really have union with Adam. It sounds unfair. Why must I suffer because of what he did? as if each of us really were islands determining our own fate independent of God. But now, beloved, that individualism has mutilated our understanding of the Christian gospel. The idea of individualism has turned the gospel into a little message, merely an advert for the consumer. Sure. You're an island, but come and add a, a little something to your island. Have a little grace added to your life. But well, Paul saw it much differently. 
Paul saw that we have a far deeper problem and a far grander vision. Our plight, he saw, is not merely that each of us fails to be good enough and needs a little forgiveness. He saw our very identity as a problem. We each have a problem that goes back beyond our own birth. For we were born in Adam. And there is no hope for us in trying hard or expecting a little divine leniency. Our only hope is to be taken out of Adam's old humanity and to be born again into the new humanity, to be a new creation in Christ. Now with that in place, something fascinating leaps out from Romans 5. The second half of Romans 5 is all about the difference between Adam and Christ. Again and again from verse 12, Paul tells us, because of one man's sin, we all die. But let us just dive into verse 15. It says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, what Paul is giving us here is the connection between life and justification or righteousness. What is going on is this. After the cross... When the Son of Man had so perfectly displayed the extent of His love, the Father could not leave His righteous and beloved one dead. And so He vindicated or justified Him. This is from 1 Timothy 3.16. He declared Him with power through the Spirit to be the Son of God. So you see where the guilt of Adam brought death, the righteousness of Christ brought victorious life. And beloved, clearly, there is more righteousness in Christ than there is sin within us. For having, been, having born our sin, death could no longer hold him. And having taken our sin and death down to death, death had no further claim on us. Now, think what the vindication of the head of the new humanity must mean. When Adam, the head of the old humanity, was found a sinner, all who were in him shared his fate. 
when Christ was justified, declared righteous, worthy of life by his Father, then he was raised to life for our justification. Romans 4.25 And so all in him share that life-giving righteousness. He is the third day first fruits of life and righteousness. And all of his seed, you and I, that are in him, share that fate, beloved. So in him we are given new life and we become the very righteousness of God. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866-5607. We thank you for joining us, and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. (music) 